Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. We dig into songs like Joy to the World and A Little Town of Bethlehem, Oh Come All You Faithful. We're actually with Scott Worthington. He's the lead pastor at Hope Church in Las Vegas. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Scott, talking about one of my favorite times of year, Christmas. When you look back to like third, fourth, fifth grade when you were a kid and you're writing up that Christmas list, it's longer than like the credit card statements that probably had to pay for it. (laughs) What was on that list when you were a kid? Oh, man. Some of my best gifts were, I remember a year I got a basketball hoop. One year I got a a green iguana. Like a live Uh, iguana? like, Like a live iguana. I actually had a friend who had one that was a full-grown one, and so I asked my parents, and that was short-lived. I think we had that thing for less than a year. But that was probably my, my craziest uh, Christmas present. Giving pets is kind of a sketchy gift because you don't know where it's going to go. Like, hey, there's a hamster under the tree. Yep, and hopefully it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully the dog didn't dig in there and try to eat it. The Christmas season brings a whole mix of emotion, right? You know, a lot of people love it. They bask in it. And then there's some that just feel a lot of stress or anxiety or when you lose someone, it's not really the same. I mean, what have you learned about quieting our hearts so we can slow down a little bit this month and focus on the real reason for the season? I think the joy of Christmas is, of course, Jesus coming to earth, but it was in the messiness, it was in the brokenness that he came, right? So the lie of the culture is the Christmas trappings will satisfy this longing in your heart, but it ends empty. And and a lot of people go through this season thinking that the gift under the tree will bring something to them that only Jesus can. And the story of Christmas, I mean, even if you know the, the nativity scene, it's in the mess, it's in the brokenness that the joy of the world comes. And so, man, people walking through really hard times, they are the most ripe and ready to receive the joy uh, more than a lot of times people that think I got everything I need. So I think, man, when people are walking through hard times, the joy of Jesus coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us is the most amazing truth that can break through the darkness that they're walking through. You know, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised to send us the Holy Spirit to be our constant companion, right? And we know that Jesus was fully human being, but fully man. And it's kind of hard to kind of comprehend what that whole idea is. But you dig through these songs, and it's talking about Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, what does that mean to you, Scott? It's our only hope. It's salvation. It's the fact that I, apart from God being with me and lost and broken and incapable of being saved, incapable of reaching God. So God came to get me because I could never get to him by myself. And so the story of the gospel is the Christmas story. I could never get to God. We, all of us humans could never get to God. So God came to get to us. So it's a beautiful reality. And yeah, like you said, 100% God, 100% man, our our minds kind of start to melt when we think about that. But that's the miracle of Christmas, that God came in the form of a baby to save us from our sins. You know, it's interesting as Jesus is walking around with the disciples and he's teaching and he's preaching and he's sharing about the kingdom of God, you know, and then at the end of the story, he's like, okay, I'm going to head up into heaven and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus on earth. He can't be at all places at one time, but the Holy Spirit can. What do you notice about the Holy Spirit? Like, it's like we want to feel near to the Holy Spirit, but we don't really understand a whole lot about him if we're just being honest. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those realities where we know, theologically speaking, as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So there's nowhere a follower of Jesus goes where God doesn't go to because we, he is in us. And so obviously there's things that we can do and li- ways that we can live that quench the Spirit in our lives. But even just that reality, if we really think about it and let it kind of sit in our hearts that, that God lives in me. A lot of times we don't feel like God lives in us, but that's the truth. Sometimes, most of the time, all the time, we have to, we have to live our lives based on what's true, not based on how we feel. And if you're a Christian today, what's true is that God and the Holy Spirit live in you. And so that's a huge, hopefully encouragement for somebody today who feels far from God. If you are a follower of Christ, God is in you. There is no way to be nearer. Like that is the the theological reality. Now, practically, I can have different seasons of fellowship with God as I spend time with him, as I obey him and what he says. And then that nearness can be more tangible for me. But theologically speaking, I'm as near to God as I could ever be because he's inside of me and he's inside of every follower of Christ. You know, it's interesting, too, because a lot of times I think when we're not feeling close to God. We maybe have quenched the Holy Spirit or grieved the Holy Spirit. And maybe sometimes he backs up and says, okay, Scott, you want to do this? You're going to do this? You know, this is not what I taught. This is, you know, this is not in line with the word. This is not what you should be doing. But yeah, maybe I'm just going to step back for a minute, let you do your thing, flesh it out. But I'm right here waiting. I'm still here with you, but... Yes, I got four kids, and they're all old enough now to effectively dress themselves. But back when they were younger, there would be times when I would try to get my sons, I have two sons, two daughters, try to get them dressed, and they would say, no, I got it, I've got it. And so they kind of push you out of the room, and so you finally go, okay, okay, you got it. And then parents, you know this, they come out looking like, what just happened in that room and they pushed away the help that their father could give because they thought they could do it on their own and they couldn't it was a disaster and so it's the same way with God we sometimes push God out of our lives to say I got this and yeah absolutely he's in the other room saying I'm ready to help you uh, I'm ready to step in and and walk with you and be your helper as as Jesus said the Holy Spirit is uh, but a lot of times we say I got it I got it I got it and And a lot of times that ends in disaster. Like when my kids come out looking like they went through a brick wall with their clothes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the story of Jesus' birth, we hear all about it in these Christmas songs, but time and time again, is Jesus come into this world? It's joy to the world. There's good news. There's great joy. I mean, why is that significant in your life, Scott? I would say it's significant in my life, but honestly, it's significant for the whole world. I mean, so many times we hear these Christmas songs and it's actually as a, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, whatever. Like I love the theological richness of Christmas songs. I mean, if you really pause and, and get through the melodies and sit down with the lyrics, these Christmas songs, I mean, a lot of them are written by guys like Charles Wesley, like by theologians, not the top 40, you know, worship artists. They're written by theologians like and the pastors. Pro- the prophet Mariah Carey. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. And man, the the theological truth that these songs are communicating, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. I mean, that's like the most well-known one. The first two lines. I mean, that's the truth of the gospel. Like Jesus Christ, the Lord is come. I love that it says he has come. It doesn't say he has come. It is come. Like meaning it's present. The Lord is here. Let earth receive her king. The sovereign king of heaven broke through the darkness. The light of the world has come 
and he has come to save his people. Thousands of years of promises and prophecies fulfilled in this God man, Jesus Christ. It's as good as it gets, man. It's as good as it gets. Not just for me. Obviously, as as Christians, we have uh, we've partaken of the of the reality of the promise. But it's for the whole world, available to anyone who would call upon His name. And so, for people across the world that's never even heard the name of Jesus, and the person across your street who's resistant to Him right now, joy to the world. The the Lord has come. Let earth and everybody in it receive their King. I love it. We dig into all these words, and hope is one that comes front and center, right? And we think about the hope that Jesus brought into the world. I think a lot of times we just sort of gloss over that because we're like, yeah, that was 2,000 years ago. I never really dig into the context too deeply on that. But how does it apply to me today? How does Jesus being the hope for the world apply to me where we are today? Yeah. Again, that goes back to the reality that apart from this story that we're celebrating this whole month, we have no hope. And that sounds gloom and doom, but it's true. Apart from the light of the world, Jesus Christ coming to the earth to save his people from their sins, we have no hope. And so I agree, We, especially us Christians who've been following Christ for some time, we get so familiar with this story that it almost loses its it's punch. The fact that God is with us. I read something actually this morning in my Advent devotional from a guy named Paul David Tripp. He said this, he said, when we are familiar with things, we tend to quit examining them. Often when we're familiar with things, we quit noticing them. When we're familiar with things, we tend to stop celebrating them as we once did. Familiarity tends to rob us of our wonder. I feel like that's happened a lot. I know in my life and a lot of Christians, like we're so familiar with the Christmas story that we've lost the wonder and the miracle in our lives that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh came for us to save us from our sins. I don't know of a more hopeful message than that. We're talking with Scott Worthington from Hope Church on SWS Radio. And as you're prepping for your Christmas services at Hope Church, I mean, what part of the story has God shown you this year? I would say it's just the wonder of what I usually take for granted. As I've been studying and we're doing a a series like many churches of just talking about the fact that the king has come, just trying to recapture not only for myself, but for our whole church, just a burden on my heart for our church and, and, and the larger church around the world is really recapturing the wonder of the reality of Christmas, that God came for us thousands of years of prophecies and promises from eternity past God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit planning this amazing eternal plan of redemption. And it broke through to a teenage girl in a manger in Bethlehem 2000 years ago. And it still affects our lives today. So just the wonder and the miracle of the, of the story of Christmas is amazing. What are some of the traditions that have been emerging in your family since you and your wife, Candace, have four kids? Yeah. So early on, I am full on Christmas fan. So it was like, we got to do something that's a memory maker for our kids. And so early on, my wife and I decided to celebrate Advent season starting on December 1st and going all the way through Christmas Eve. And so we actually do something called, we call Dub Fam Advent because my last name is Worthington and everyone used to call me Scott Dub. And so, man, we do it and it's a social media thing and we do a different activity every single day in community and serving people and just having a good time as a family. And now that my kids are older, I thought they'd kind of be over it. We're on our ninth year of doing this and we talked to them this year, like, should we still do it? And they were all like, 
almost angry. Like, of course we're doing it. <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, it has become a tradition and it's been really cool. There's a lot of family and friends also continuing this tradition and, and starting this tradition. So yeah, we celebrate the Advent season every single day of December, a different activity, something that we share with the world or share with our friends or share in serving. And it's it's the most amazing thing about December, but it's also very tiring. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, break that down for a minute because I think all of us say like, oh, I would love to do something like that. But wait, oh, where do you even start? Like, I, I want to speak to the spiritual. I want to speak to the service part. I want to speak to the community part. I want to get my kids excited and then it's like hey kids let's go do it they're like oh, yeah I soccer oh, i got homework yeah oh i'd rather play video games my wife and i actually go away uh usually before thanksgiving we try to do like a day a day or two well we actually it's like a full-on planning thing i mean because now it involves multiple people there's about 10 people usually that we have activities with and so it, it has become a massive kind of orchestration, but it started off not that way. It started off with just when we had two kids, there were three and one, and we just like said, hey, let's watch a Christmas movie. And let's say, you know, this is what our Advent activity is today. So no matter where you are in the journey, you can always start somewhere, but uh, it really has become a memory maker and a way to make this season truly what it is about, which is Jesus for our kids. You know, in Isaiah 7, it says the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And when you translate that whole idea to English, it basically means God with us. And when you think about Jesus being fully God and fully man, what's the part of that that you had the most trouble comprehending when you started to say, I want to understand this? Uh, all of it. <laughs> fully God, fully man. Scott, you've had babies. I've had babies. Well, our wives have had babies. We've we've been fathers to babies. I mean, to think of Jesus in the manger being fully God, like there's a lot that anybody who says I fully understand that, you should probably run away from them because nobody can fully comprehend it. But that's the the wonder and the miracle of it. I've always said, if you can put everything you know about God in a perfect little box with a bow, he's probably not a God worth worshiping. And so, man, that is a reality that I, I don't fully understand. But again, to people who, who've studied this know this. I mean, the, the probability of that baby in the manger fulfilling all the prophecies that he did, it is literally next to impossible. This is clearly a miraculous, and, and people don't believe in Jesus have to deal with that, right? Like this is a miraculous thousands of years of promises that have now been fulfilled in this baby who is, is fulfilling the plan of God from the very beginning. It's hard to comprehend, but I'm so glad that I don't fully understand it because it, it increases my wonder and my joy in the reality of it. Think about Joseph, okay? He's this carpenter, blue collar, small town called Nazareth. His family saying, hey, you know, we think you should marry this other girl over here, Mary, and she's in the village, and, you know, you guys kind of know each other, but maybe not, like, but maybe not that well. It wasn't like a dating situation, and he's like, all right, cool, I'm going to start my family, going to start my life, and then she comes to him and says, oh, hey, psst, I got to tell you something, I I'm pregnant, it's not yours, but it's not anybody else's either. Yeah. I mean, can you resonate with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, come on. I feel for Joseph. I mean, that had to be the most like, really? Uh, and then, of course, the ridicule I'm sure he got from all his friends and, and his family. Like, yeah, OK, God did this. OK. But, you know, then, of course, the angel visits him and even all that. We, we talked about it earlier, but the, the brokenness and the mess. God did not choose to come into the world through a perfect 
Instagram worthy family situation. He came in through brokenness, even in the way he came to show what he came to do is to bring the light to the darkness, bring the hope to the brokenness. And so, no, I feel for Joseph. I, I can't imagine what those nine months were like. Um, and then even after that, I'm sure nobody knew who Jesus truly was for 30 years. And then even that it's like 30, he's living with 30 years of like, yeah, okay. I'm sure that stepson of yours is <laughs> that adopted son of yours is, is God's, you know? And so that's just him just trusting the Lord. And, and from what we know, his continue to be faithful to, to the Lord, despite what he may have felt. So I love it. Yeah. And what's interesting too, about the context of it all is the Hebrew people were waiting for God to do something. I mean, from the last writings of the prophets in the old Testament, it was like 400 years before anybody had heard from God speaking again. And so then this angel shows up to Mary, the angel shows up to Joseph and says, Hey, the son of God's going to be born into your family, but it's not yours. I mean, even that right for us, it's one page from Malachi to Matthew in our Bibles. But to think about, and that's the stuff I actually encourage people to, to, to sit in the season, to think about from what we know, God being completely silent for 400 years, 150 years longer than this country has even existed. Silent. I mean, you, thought, you talk about darkness and brokenness and hopelessness to then break through to a teenage girl and her betrothed. And like everything we've just discussed, like how he decided to come in. Yeah, no, there was, there was a tense world and, and a broken world that desperately needed light. And Jesus came to bring that hope and that light. Yeah. So what are you working on for Christmas at Hope Church? We're excited. We're, we're like all churches in Vegas and around the country and around the world are gearing up for just an exciting season. We are in a series called The King Has Come. We're just talking about this idea of the advent of Christ and gearing up for our, our four Christmas services. Uh, all of our stuff's on our website, hopechurchlv.com. Uh, we'd love to have you join us at uh, our Las Vegas congregation or our Henderson if you're out near that area of town. Uh, got a lot of Christmas services like many churches here in Vegas. And uh, my biggest prayer is that people would just go to a Bible preaching gospel centered church this Christmas and hear the story and be recaptured by the wonder of it. So yeah, I would love to have you guys at Hope Church and hopechurchlv.com for all the info and we're going to celebrate Jesus all, all, all month long. So what was the one part of that wonder that grabbed your attention most this year as you were prepping for that? For me, the, the, the thing that got me on the wonder aspect was the promises and the prophecies throughout the Old Testament. I mean, even you start right after sin entered the world, God comes actually to Satan, our enemy, and he makes a promise. You might bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. There's a promise from the jump. God didn't even wait. We don't know how long it was, but it seems short. Sin enters the world and God says, I'm starting to tell promises right now of how this is going to be fixed. And so, and then you just read the Old Testament and it's ugly and it's hard and there's war and there's so many broken and lost and, and dark things, but it's all a story leading up to 
Christmas leading up to Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling the prophecies and the promises. So I've just been living in that and, and, and hopefully uh, just asking God to just recapture the wonder in my heart of this is not just a little event. This is the apex of all eternity that you've promised for thousands of years coming true for, for them then and also for me and us now. So that's been something for me. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio Podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through SOSradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.